About a month ago, Stephanie and I, my wife, were driving back from our vacation in Colorado. We had passed over the state line, went through Lubbock, and we're in the town of Plainview. It was there that Stephanie's eyes got real big. She looked around. She says, isn't this just wonderful? And I was like, are you serious? Just this morning, we were in the mountains of Colorado where it was green and there was rivers and lakes and it was 60 degrees. And she said, John, you, you don't get it. I was like, what's there not to get? Look around. There's it's brown it's hot, everything's dying, it's flat. There's a reason why they call it plain view, because the view is so plain. And she said, you don't get it. She goes, John, we're in Texas, we're home. And she was right, because she had a long-term perspective. I had a short-term, I was just looking around. She knew we were home. You know what we missed more than anything while we were gone? More than the Bluebell ice cream, more than, more than Whataburger, more than the world's best tacos. We missed you. We did. We missed you. We missed being back home with you. Over 16 years ago, we, we started GFC in a living room in our house. And we moved to Bob Beard Elementary School. And then we went to the Silverado Movie Theater. And then we finally put a permanent stake in the ground right here at our permanent home. And what we learned is that church is not defined by a building. Church is defined by relationships. It's about me and you. It's about us being together. Like if this room was empty, if this church building was empty, it wouldn't feel like home. But when we're all together, we're all together, it feels like home sweet home, doesn't it? And that's the beauty. That's, that's what the love is. That's, until, until we get to our final destination, our eternal home, that Jesus is coming, and those of us who are right with God will arrive by the grace of God to be home with God forever. Until then, we're just passing through. This isn't our final home. So no matter what we face, no matter the hardship, the trials, it's important to have an eternal perspective, a long view perspective. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm so excited that you're here as we continue our series called Home Sweet Home. Next Sunday, I want to invite you back because we're going to talk about your personal home. And no matter how healthy or unhealthy your marriage or your family is, you will discover that there is hope for the home. But today, we're going to talk about our eternal home. We're going to talk about heaven. Because the reality is, every single one of us will spend eternity in either heaven or hell. That's the reality. But no matter what we think about heaven or eternity, it, it's important that we think about it. Because when we think about it, it, it will help us endure. It will help us to have hope for the future. If we don't think about it, then we're going to get lost. And we're going to have that short-term perspective. And our lives can be filled with, with despair and discouragement, bitterness and regret. Because we only see the here and now. And we look back. But we need to look forward. Our hope is in the future. Our best days are in front of us. And so for this moment, I just want to encourage you to lean in. Just imagine what would it be like in heaven? Can you just comprehend? Some of you, you're like, you think you know what heaven's going to be like. You think you know because you saw a movie about heaven. Or you read a book about somebody who said that they went there 
and came back. Some of you think that heaven's just going to be this never-ending eternal church service, right? Like, that's great and all for people who enjoy singing and are good at it or on the worship team, but what about the rest of us, right? <laughs> but no matter what we think about heaven, I, our minds really can't get around, like, the reality of what heaven's going to be like. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, No eye has seen. No ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. For those who love him, those who know him, those who have been saved, those who have surrendered their life to Jesus, who are a son and daughter of the, the kingdom of the Lord. He's saying, I, I'm preparing something that you can't just, your eye can't even imagine, your mind can't comprehend what I am preparing for you. Isn't that good news? That the Lord who loves you and those who love the Lord, like he's got something that's going to blow your mind. Like, but we can't, even, we can't even fathom what that's going to be like. No artist, no movie director, no SGI, Star Wars designer can, can accurately depict what heaven is really going to be like. It's a mystery, but I want us to try. I want us to just try and imagine like your best moment here on earth. Like after I finished a mountain bike ride and I've strung myself up in a hammock beside a river in Colorado with a nice cold Dr. Pepper. And I'm like, it just doesn't get any better than this. But you know, it does. And no matter the best day on earth, heaven is like a, a thousand X. It's like way better than anything that we can experience. It's infinitely and indescribably better than anything that you can imagine. But the reality is we don't think about eternity rightly. We don't think about heaven or hell or believe rightly. is because we've been lied to. Satan, who Jesus says is the father of lies, lies to us about eternity. He lies about heaven. He lies about hell. He says, man, those, things, those places don't really exist. Like they're, they're not real or hell's not, even if it is real, it's not that bad. And he will lie. He will lie. That's, that's the reality because if he can lie and we can believe the lie, then, then we won't live our lives with a, a fear of the Lord or an urgency to tell others who are far away from the Lord about the good news of Jesus. So he lies. He, he lies about heaven. He says most people are just going to heaven. Right? If, you're, if your good deeds and works will outweigh the bad ones, then you'll make it. You just try your best. God's good. It's like that universalism, that, the theory that, that everybody will make it, that's, that's, the, that's a lie according to Scripture. Because Jesus, he's, he says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And how many are on it? Many, many people are on it. And Jesus said this, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And how many find it? Only a few find it. It says broad is the road that most people are on that, but narrow is the, the path, the gate that leads to eternal life. And so a lot of people think that heaven is the default destination. But it isn't. Because of sin... Hell is the default destination. That's the place that ultimately the broad road of destruction leads to. And only those who understand clearly the gospel, 
who put their faith, their trust in Jesus, who repent of their sin and turn to God, who surrender their life to Jesus, will be saved from sin, saved from hell, and saved for eternity to be with God in our eternal home in heaven. Turn with me in the gospel according to John in the New Testament. John chapter 14, we're going to discover one of God's greatest promises. Jesus is ministering in a town called Capernaum. It was there that he healed Peter's mother-in-law, one of his disciples. She was sick, dying, and Jesus raised her. He, he healed her from her, her bed. That was Peter's mother-in-law. And so later, many theologians believe that's the reason why Peter would later deny Jesus three times. That's a good one. That's a good mother-in-law joke. I love you, mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is here. Maybe I should have saved that one for the other services. <laughs> but Jesus is in Capernaum. And I, I was, I've been there. I visited Israel about 10 years ago. And Capernaum was one of my favorite places. It was beautiful. It was on top of this hilltop. You could see for miles. And now above Peter's mother-in-law's house is actually a church. But you see all the first century remains. The synagogue is there. And it was there that Jesus was teaching. And he was teaching this passage of scripture we're about to read. And what's unique about Capernaum is they're, they're the residents, the way people lived. It was like, imagine a big apartment complex, one story. So your house, your walls would be adjacent with your neighbor. All right? It was this communal living, and Jesus proclaims this, and starting in verse 2, he says, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Isn't that good news? F.W. Borum, who is a pastor and writer, said that heaven is not a place that we create, but a place that God creates for us. Are you grateful? Are you excited that Jesus has he's raised from the dead? He's alive and he's preparing a wonderful place for his children. Isn't that good news? Now turn with me over to Revelation chapter 21. Last book of the Bible, second to the last chapter in the Bible. The Apostle John, who wrote the Gospel of John, is now much older. He's been persecuted. He's exiled to the island of Patmos. And it's there that God gives him a vision. And in Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 1, this is John speaking. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city and the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. In verse 3, he said, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is what? Is with men. And God will live with them. Now check this out. He says, they, us, will be his people and God himself will be where? Will be their God. And what is he going to do? He says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more what? No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, or no more pain. Why? Because the older order of things has passed away. 
So John's been given this revelation, this vision of heaven, the vision of the future, of the things that are to come. And if you believe that the Bible is 100% accurate, that it's God-breathed, inspired by the Holy Spirit, say amen. amen. And so if you believe the Bible to be true, then we can draw three heavenly conclusions from this passage of Scripture. First, God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. See, following the, the return of Jesus when he comes and he raptures his, the church and then following the 1,000 millennial reign of Christ, God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. Very clearly in verse 1 it says that the new earth, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth, what did they do? They passed away. So what does this mean? It means that the very same God, who rose from the dead, the very same God who rose you from a life of sin, that same power, he will create a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus, when he was on this earth, he talked a lot about heaven and hell. He, he told a story that was unlike parables. And all of the parables he taught that were like heavenly stories with earthly meanings, probably not true, but had a meaning, no one had a name. But in this story, people had names. And Jesus tells the story of a rich person who died and went to a place of like hell. And it was there that he was suffering. And he told Lazarus to be able to look. And this rich man who remembered Lazarus said, Hey, please tell people, like, let me go, let, tell people, my friends, my family members, that this place is real. And so it was a real place. that Hell is a real place where it's separation from God. It's a place of eternal torment. The Bible describes it as a lake of fire. And it's not a destination that God wants his people to go to. We choose to go there when we reject God, when we reject, harden our heart to a life of sin. But Jesus also talks about heaven. That he prepares a place. And his last moment on earth, he was hanging on a cross and one of the thieves that were hanging next to him that deserved to be there, Jesus didn't. Jesus never sinned. But this thief, he clearly believed that Jesus didn't, shouldn't have been there. And he believed that he was the Messiah. And Jesus looked at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. That there will be life after death. That this paradise would be a wonderful place. And people who have died and people that we've loved are are now there. But the Bible is very clear that there would be a new heaven and a new earth. Some scholars believe that what you enjoy here on earth is going to be way better in that new heaven and that new earth. For those of you who enjoy playing golf, can you imagine playing around at the very best golf courses where you only make birdies, never more a bogey? <laughs> where you don't have to pay for expensive green fees? How many of you enjoy gardening? You love that. Like, like imagine gardening in a place where there's, there's no curse. Like a, like a place like the Garden of Eden that is just so perfect and beautiful. Can you imagine a day where there's no more 1604 traffic? That there's no more 130 degree days? Like just 63 degrees, just like all the time. Like, doesn't that sound good? So the first thing that we can draw from this passage in the Bible is that God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. The second thing 
is that God will do away with death, mourning, and pain. Let's look at it again because it's such good news. Revelation 21, 4 and 5, Scripture says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more, what? Help me out. He says there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, and no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Heaven is a place of perfect joy. No more death, no more pain, no more sadness. Think about what causes you pain here on earth. Think what causes you to worry. Think about what causes your heart to be heavy. Some of you are here right now and you have heavy hearts. You're carrying a burden. You're struggling with anxiety. When we get to heaven, there won't be any more. There won't be any more sickness, no more headaches, no more chronic fatigue, no more illness, no more cancer, no more fear, no more anxiety, no more depression, no more injustice, no more babies dying. Like there won't be any of that because we'll be with the Lord and he will make things new. Amen? That we can look forward to that. So first, God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. Second, there will be no more pain, no more death, no more mourning. But third, and this is the best part, that God himself will dwell with us. That we get to be with the Lord face to face. That we will be together with him. He says that in verse 3, now the dwelling of God, where is it? It says the dwelling of God is with men and he will be with them. I imagine that this verse fulfills one of God's greatest desires and hopes that we will be together in unbroken fellowship. There will be no more sin that will separate us. We will be together, clean consciences before the Lord. And it's at that moment that we will see Jesus. And we're there because he saved us. And we'll look back that he was the one who was our redeemer. He was the one that, that let his life down and he spilled his blood on a cross because of his, his love for us. And it's that moment we will see him in all of his glory and we'll see how good he is and see his mercy, see his love, see his goodness. And we'll see clearly how incredible the Lord is, that he is our provider, our comforter, our redeemer, our good shepherd, the true vine, the bread of life. We'll see it in that moment. He'll be all that we ever want. It'll be that moment, I imagine, that that song that we've sung so many times, Amazing Grace, and the words... And when we've been here 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. It's so important for us to have this eternal, long-term perspective of our home sweet home. That God has prepared a place that we're gonna be with him for eternity, for eternity. If we can understand that and have that as a hope, then, then we can endure the things that we face. The pain that we do have here on earth, we can hold on, we can endure, that it's not the end. Our time here on earth is a vapor. It's such a small slice of time compared to all of eternity. But if we can have eternity imprinted on our hearts and our minds, then we're gonna be able to endure and we're gonna be able to see what's really important in life, to value what's really important in life, 
May we not just live our lives for ourselves here on earth, storing up treasure, but may we care about what God cares about, the souls, our souls, the souls of our spouse, our children, our neighbors, those around us, that we would value the relationships of our church family. It would be about his purposes and his kingdom, amen? That we would live for that, to have true meaning in life. A couple of weeks ago, Stephanie and I went to go visit the home of Rowena. You may remember Rowena because she was a greeter outside of this door. She loved it. She always wore purple, had a big old smile, confined to her wheelchair. She's not doing very good. Doctors are expecting her to pass at any time. And we went to go visit her in her home. She moved from her wheelchair to a hospice bed. And as we were talking with her and just saying our last goodbyes, possibly, I asked Rowena, I said, Rowena, what are you going to miss most here on earth? You know what she said? I'm going to be missing greeting my church family. She's going to miss y'all. And I said, what are you looking forward to when you get to heaven? What are you looking forward to? And she said, I, I'm looking forward to dancing, not being in this wheelchair anymore. She goes, I'm going to dance to my earthly dad who already passed away. And she said, more importantly, I'm going to dance into the arms of my heavenly father. She got it. Rowena got it. She sees clearly her eternal home sweet home. These stories inspire us. Scripture should inspire us to look forward to that home sweet home. Sometimes we have to go through pain and trial to see how truly good what he has in store for us.